up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilly. This is Fan the Flame. And if you have stumbled upon this, you are going to be blessed. If you're waiting on this episode, you're going to be blessed. It is full swing holiday season, guys. I told you that I probably wasn't going to put anything else out until after the first of the year, but I just couldn't help myself. Um, There's so much going on right now in the body of Christ. There's so much stirring in the spirit that I feel like if I didn't at least give you something to chew on when you're with your family over this beautiful break uh, that I hope you're getting, that I pray that some of you are getting for the rest that you desperately need. I am in that camp and rest is just so important especially in this hour, I think that we can get so caught up in the busyness of the season that we forget to count the blessings that God has already bestowed upon us throughout the entire year. And it's easy just to get focused on the do's and the don'ts and the wants and the not and the needs and the don't haves. And, you know, um, it become it can become about, you know, the hustle instead of really just um, the commitment to rest that the Lord has called us to. And I, I, I firmly believe that he has so many people um, understanding that in this hour that rest is going to be superbly needed for the next hour. I feel that in my spirit. And so and, and rest doesn't resting in the Lord doesn't mean doing nothing. You know, there's many, many godly men and women right now that are that are um, they're in the middle of crusades. They've just gotten done with crusades in, in other countries and they're on um, they're on target to hit, you know, millions of souls for the kingdom of God. And that's amazing. And and this is their season to do so. But other people are called to a place of rest. And we should never compare our season to somebody else's season. Um, You know, one season, Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers and put in the pit. And the next moment he was, um, he climbed his way to a position of a cupbearer and one of the most prestigious honors in the whole uh, understanding of kingdom terminology and, and the right hand man of a king. So you never know um, what season some people are going through because a lot of them just aren't real vocal about it. And so, you know, we should be praying for everybody, whether you're in the mountaintop or the valley this season. Um, I pray that you are having a great time with your family. Christmas is, I think, my daughter reminds me every day. I believe it's nine days away. So um, thankful for that. Thankful for her little heart and the excitement that she has to um, be with us and be around us and that she still loves to hang out with her mom and dad. And so very cool. Very cool things going on. Um, so some things that have just been on my heart that I want to release that, I, like I said, I want you to be able to chew on before the first of the year. Maybe uh, maybe you can take it into the first of the year. Um, I preached a couple of weeks ago at our church at 7 a.m. And um, the title was a, a powerful church dwells in unity. And I, I just think in this hour that there has never been a greater time of need for the bride of Christ to be together in unity. I've seen so much backbiting, so much uh, just ugliness toward one another, um, different theologies, different beliefs, and different understandings of scripture. And it just breaks my heart, man, that the church can't find common ground in the cornerstone that is Christ. Um, And I think that unity, unity is, is, um, Unity is seen where diversity is celebrated. And we know in the Bible that every person has diverse gifts, okay? Every person that is for the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ, we have diverse gifts. And we must, those gifts must be used to glorify God. And in the company of the saints, when those gifts come together, it's a really, really beautiful thing. And 
you know, even in Genesis 126, where it says that God created man in his own image, he said, let us create man in our image. It's God started the creation of man with unity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And that to me just kicks everything off. Like if God saw it fit to be in unity with his son and his spirit, then we have to be in unity. And that's not three separate people. Let's get this right. Okay. It's one God, three different parts, three, three different moving parts. And the father, obviously being God, son, being Jesus and Holy spirit, being the spirit of Jesus. And so um, we can unpack many different scriptures that, to the understanding of this and but I want you to see that, that he desires unity. And what unity is, is something very, very important. Okay. Um, Psalm 133 talks about what unity is. It, it, it's good. Okay. Um, it's pleasing to God. It's like an, an, an anointed oil. It's, it's like a fresh rain. Let me, let me just get my Bible really quick. Okay. Hang on. Let me pull this up on my phone. So it's, it's important to know what what we're talking about when when we talk about unity because i think that we've gotten a miscommunication or a misunderstanding a lot of times of what unity actually is it's it's not you agree with everything that i say and then we'll have unity it's actually laying down your own likes and and comforts for other people's um better well-being and so it, it's not it's not counter or caving to culture and accepting sinful nature it's not um aligning with an agenda that's demonic or against the word of god it, it's it's talking about within the body of christ okay and so what unity looks like is it's good right it's good it's pleasing it's perfect to god it's something that he desires for his body to be able to fully function in capacity that it's supposed to. Let's look at Psalm 133, verse 1. It says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Brothers, okay? Brothers. Not brothers in the world, not brothers with the world. Brothers in the bride of Christ. Brothers that are that are seeking the kingdom of God together. How beautiful and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It is like precious oil on the head running down the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down the collar of his robes, understanding anointing flows where unity is celebrated with one another. Okay. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. Hermon was this mountain and there was a lot, there was so much a capacity of moisture that would come from this mountain down to Jerusalem or down to the, um, down to the falls in the mountain of Mount Zion that it would, it would, it was strategically God placed a strategic um, blessing on them because of the overflow of this of this moisture and this water that would come and, and, and create a great atmosphere for their crops to grow and for them to be successful. And um, for it says, for the Lord has commanded the blessing life forever, forevermore. For the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore so when we dwell together in unity as brothers it's good it's like anointing oil flowing down it's like the flowing of the holy spirit representation of the spirit of god where he has move uh, room and move uh excuse me room to move in full capacity the way that he desires to and it's just a beautiful thing for us to live in that harmony and and what i'm seeing is completely opposite of that with brothers and sisters in the face faith backbiting one another strategizing um strategizing meetings to 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 provoke and stir in anger toward one another completely opposite of the gospel of jesus okay it it makes me it makes me sad to see that and it whether you know whatever camp you're in as far as belief of sensationalism or or not like 
you can find common ground in the cornerstone of Christ. You don't have to backbite a brother or sister because they believe that the gifts are for today and you don't or vice versa. You know, um, look, we need each other. And I'm not saying that we have to worship together every Sunday in the same building, but we need to be praying for one another. And it's, and it's powerful when this church dwells in this type of unity because God really has a chance to move. I think he's, I think um, the spirit of God is stagnant where we have silenced him or we have um, quenched him as the word says, do not quench the Holy spirit and understanding the whole entirety of prophecy within that scripture. It's, it's crucial and imperative to know that, you know, those things are still for today. I've seen those things flow in, in churches and I'm, I've seen great things that the Lord has been able to do because we've just stewarded the room to him. And I desire that for every church, to be honest with you, to, to experience God and to encounter him in such a way that when you leave that service, you're changed. You're, you're changed in so many different ways. And so when you come together and we set aside um, selfish preference, I do believe that the Holy Spirit has a chance to really kind of move about the room and start to touch hearts of people. But when we come in there with arms crossed and I don't like this service because of the worship music, well, we're not worshiping you. So, you know, get over yourself or, or, or I don't like this because the pastor speaks too loud. Or if you're not speaking loud when you preach the gospel of Jesus, like I, I believe there's a, there's, there's a little bit of a lack of power. Now there's a time for teaching. There's a time for prophesying. There's a, there's a time for edifying, but when you're really in the spirit and the spirit is moving and you're preaching with power, it says in acts two, that Peter preached with power and 3000 were saved that day. Power to me is, is a thundering understanding that the power within me is greater than the power that I have within myself. And so apart from Christ, that power is, is really diluted. And so what we do is we, we go and we find these places where they have the worship music that I like, or they have the hymnals that I like. And it's all about us. When did this me centered gospel become such, such a big thing in America? Like we have, we have, we have brothers and sisters in the faith and, and in other countries that are sitting on dirt floors without a pew, without a pulpit, without a microphone, and the word of God is being spoken and, and miraculous things are happening because they didn't show up for them, they showed up for him. And when you show up for you, you're really diluting the power of what God can do. But if you show up for him, then his his power is on display and it's magnificent and it's and it's and it's it's such a great thing to be able to witness. And so that uh, that in in itself, you know, kind of understanding what unity is and, and what unity is not and what unity is not is a there's a perfect example of what unity is not. And I talked about a few of these things just a second ago, but we understand from Proverbs that that God, you know, one of the things he hates the most is discord among the brethren. Right. He hates discord among the brethren. And so when we when we settle for our own. Um, what's the word? When, our, when, we, when we're trying to, to find a place where it's our own preference, it's really hard for the freedom to be available in the room, right? And so we understand that from, from, this, um, from this chapter in Proverbs, I'm going to read it to you real quick. It says, um, there's six things that the Lord hates, seven that are actually an abomination to him. So it's like this buildup already. He says six. No, wait, there's actually seven that God absolutely hates and he calls an abomination haughty eyes a lying tongue hands that shed innocent blood a heart that deceives wicked plan or devises wicked plans feet that make haste to run to evil a false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows 
discord among the brethren. I look at that as a climactic buildup of the things that God hates the most. And why does he hate discord among the brethren and the sisterhood so much? Because I believe that power, his power is, is hindered when we are in haughty little quarrels where we elevate ourselves and our self-preference above our neighbor. The word says that, in paraphrasing here, but it says to to put others' needs above your own. How many times do we actually do that in the daily, in a, in a, in our daily lives when we're just walking around? How many times do we actually look at things and say, you know what, you're more important than me right now. I'm going to take care of what's going on with you, and then I'll get to me later. Like if everybody did that, could you imagine the unity that the world we could walk in, especially in the church? The world's going to have its own kingdom. It's, it's going to do what it wants, but. If we can understand this between brothers and sisters, man, it truly changes everything. So that's what unity is not. Unity is not, you know, when you're creating discord, when you're, when you, you know, when you're allowing Jezebel's spirit to walk through the door and pick off the men and women in the church one by one by that nasty conniving spirit and create an atmosphere of, of witchcraft and sorcery instead of a, an atmosphere of praise to, to the one who is the one who was and the one who is to come. And so I, I just, you know, I, I want us to see that today. I want us to see that unity is important in the church. It's important um, in life, in your homes, the places that you would walk. You should be trying to create unity, absolutely, as a believer in Christ. Um, so we all we also know that God sustains unity, right? Ephesians 4, 4 through 5, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, right? God sustains it. So if we're willing to just submit, God will what he will sustain. And what it, what Paul is saying here is that it's super important that we walk in this so that we can have um, so that we can have this this meeting place with Christ that allows him to do the things that he wants to do during our service. Right. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. OK, therefore, it says when he ascended on high, he led host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? Okay, it's talking about hell and heaven a little bit. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fulfill all things. But I want to I want to I want to hit on this for just a moment, okay? He says something in chapter four of of Ephesians, starting in verse three, he says, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of bond of in the bond of peace. So there is a spirit attached to unity. Come on in the bond of peace. So when you walk into a room, okay, imagine the first time that you ever walk into a room where Christians are getting along. There's not gossiping. There's not I can't believe she's wearing that dress. I can't believe they're here. They were at the bar last night. When there's that, not that spirit of, of sorcery that's going against the body of Christ, when there's actually a spirit of unity, there's this bond of peace that shows up in the room. And we've all felt that we've all walked into a church service or a place of, of gathering of the saints where there's a bond of, there's a spirit of the bond of peace in there that you just can't quite comprehend, that you can't quite understand. What's that feeling I'm feeling? I don't know what it is, but I like it. You know, even non-believers can get a taste of this when they walk into a place where the spirit of God is moving freely because spirit, the spirit of unity is is protected and it does have to be protected. And I'll get in that in a minute. But um, there's there's this 
this understanding that where the spirit of, of, of Jesus is, where the spirit of God is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and freedom to move, freedom to dance, freedom to do whatever the Lord has called you to in the moment, whether it's prophesy, speak in tongues, heal the sick, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, you know, bring revelation from God into the congregation. There's a spirit of freedom that, that flows in this place when we're submitted to him and not our own desires, not our own selfish desires. And when that happens, I'm telling you something beautiful happens. And because we're all called with humility and gentleness, with patience and bearing one another in love. And, and, and this is what he's, this is what he's urging the body of Christ to do in unity. Paul is saying in Ephesians, like, keep these things at the forefront of your mind. Be quick, you know, to shut down any arguments against one another. Be quick to, to walk in humility, to walk in gentleness, to walk in patience, to walk in love and bearing one another's burdens. And when we do that, heaven is open. I believe, I truly believe that, that the gates of heaven are open and, and we get to experience you know, a taste of heaven here on earth. And Paul understood this because he understood what he was doing in the beginning of all this before he was Paul and he was Saul and he was persecuting and torturing Christians. He understood the the division he was bringing. So now he sees what unification can do and he's tied to it in the spirit of bond and, and in the spiritual place of bonding and peace. And so, so how do we achieve it? I guess would be the question. Um, I just said it, you know, peace, love, understanding, right? These are places that we walk in as believers. And these are places that we should hold dear and near to our heart. It shouldn't be about me or my preference, but it should be about him and what he's doing in the moment and what he's doing in the room. And this is how we do it with humility and gentleness. Okay. Just start with one humility. What does it look like to be humble? The word says that those who humble themselves will be exalted. So when we humble ourselves, we put our own desires aside, our own ambitions aside, and we say, you know what, God, not my will, but yours. The same thing that Jesus said the night before Calvary's Hill in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, not my will be done, but yours. And he understood as, as human as he was that that was a place where he had to humble and humble himself and allow the Lord to do what he was going to do with him. Okay, gentleness, be gentle. There's no reason to come abrasive at somebody, especially new believers walking into the church. You want to unify with the spirit of people that are that are there to, to celebrate Jesus and to do the things that we're supposed to do in a church service. Okay, patience. Woo, that one's tough. I struggle with that one every day. Patience is tough, but it's something that is so needed today. The functionality of patience in the church will truly steward the presence of God in the church. We have to be able to walk with people where they are at. We can't expect somebody to be saved yesterday and become a pastor the next day. I'm not saying God can't do that, but I'm saying we have to walk with people where they're at. Everybody's in a different learning curve, learning uh, place in, yeah, learning curve, learning place in their walk with Jesus. And everybody's in a different place of understanding who Jesus is and what he's done and, and, and how good he is, because a lot of those people have been misrepresented to them. It's been misrepresented to them who Jesus really is. They've got some false Jesus or some fake gospel and, and, if they did a lot of things, they could get his attention. That's not the gospel. The gospel is God did one thing through Christ Jesus so that he has our attention through the blood on the cross and that we have his attention because when we understand that, when we understand what Jesus did, the blood that was shed for my sin and for your sin and for my transgression and your transgression, it begins to change us. And sometimes that can be overnight. I've seen people really flip switches overnight and be completely different people. I believe a deliverance had a lot to do with that, that, that they were dealing with things demonically that 
that, that were cast out of them so they can now think clearly. But some people walk differently. They, they're testing the water still. They, they believe. They have, they have a measure of faith, but they're still trying to figure some things out. And I believe that God walks with people in those ways. My goodness, if he didn't, we'd all be in trouble because there's still some things that I don't know that I trust that he's going to reveal to me in due time. And so we have to be patient with those people who are walking in the Lord and walking um, in faith and, and not belittle them or, or, you know, if they haven't given up everything on the moment that, you know, um, everybody thinks they have, I'm watching this thing right now transpire with Kat Von D. She, if you don't know who she is, go check her out. She's a tattoo artist. She was into the occult. She was into satanic practices. She had so many different books on witchcraft and all these things. And you didn't have to look too deep to see that with her. Okay. Well, she still wears the black makeup. She still looks kind of gothic. She still wears the black clothing, but this woman is singing in her church. She got baptized by uh, her pastor, who was a God fearing man. Um, and people are still, there's Christians. It's not the outside world. It's not the, the old cult that she used to be in. Most of those people are from her perspective and from her own words are supporting her decision. And then we have Christians on the other side that are slandering her saying, you got to get rid of all those tattoos. She's literally blacked out on her entire arm and like every, every satanic thing on her body, she's getting blacked out. She, she spoke that verbally and through the transition. Sorry, I need a drink through the transition that we see her going through on her Instagram or whatever, she's literally almost every day having a new black portion of skin, you know, tattooed on her over cut to cover over um, all the bad stuff that she had on her body. And so we're at, well, I'm seeing all these Christians get on there and be like, you need to get rid of them tattoos. girl." Well, she is like, you need to wear different clothes. Well, maybe, maybe like she's trying to walk out her, her, her calling with Jesus faith by faith, you know, um, place to place with him. And she hasn't, she hasn't yet, uh, even surrendered that part of her. Now we can say, well, you have to surrender all to Christ. Absolutely. You have to surrender all to Christ, but I would, I would beg to differ. I, I would, I would bet to say that there's some people on here that will listen to this podcast that claim to be Christians that still struggle with something in their life, the secret sin, whatever the case may be. And I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying that we can't cast stones on somebody that's trying that she's trying to walk with Jesus, you know, and I'm seeing the same things in other camps with, with different churches. And yeah, are there false teachers out there? Absolutely. What do we do with false teachers? We expose them. We don't listen to them. We run from them. Yes. But we also extend grace to try to get these people to see that, you know, Jesus is the only way. Okay. Not, not the enemy, not the world, but Jesus. And, and we do that by having patience. We do that by having um, place of, of just refuge for them to come when they're ready. Okay. All I can do is plant seeds. One of the best words ever spoken over my life prophetically was this, Scott, it is your job to plant seeds. Increase is not your responsibility. And that is so true because it's biblical. Some plant seeds, some water, God always provides the increase. It's not my job to provide the increase. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. That's the job of God. That's the job of Jesus to increase somebody's faith. Oh, sorry. To increase understanding and to increase, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Submission, because submission to God, to God will, will give us all the desires of our heart. And so the desire of our heart as we're following Jesus is to be like him. And these people are doing that. And I think that we need to applaud them. And I think that we need to walk with them and give them grace. Whew. Bearing one another in love. Wow. Love covers so many things. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love is God. God is love. And 
we have to walk in this. We have to lo- walk in love. Love looks like something. Go back and read First Corinthians thirteen. It's 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 patient. It's kind. It's gentle. It's 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 all these beautiful things. And if we don't have love, we are nothing but a, a clanging gong and a noisy symbol. I know a lot of people that are that are proclaiming to be Christians, and they probably are, but they're not walking in love, and they're nothing but a clown, a clanging gong. That's why. When I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see somebody preaching and I can tell by their posture right away whether they're led in love or not, if they're not led in love, I'll turn it. I don't care if their church is 500,000 on Sunday or they have three people in their living room. It doesn't matter to me. The Spirit of God is not secluded to a big meeting or a small meeting. He is where he is invited. He is where He is where the fear of the Lord resides. He is where, um, uh, I just said it, he is where submission is to the Lord Jesus Christ. And and it doesn't matter if you're in your closet by yourself. It doesn't matter if you're in a church service full of 4,000. The Spirit of the God comes, the Spirit of the Lord will be where there is freedom. Okay, period. And there's freedom in Christ Jesus to be able to do some really cool things in church. I'll just say it. Um, not, not to blaspheme God, not to... Um, act silly or stupid or anything like that, but there's there's definitely freedom in Christ Jesus to do things that that most people, many people, probably not most people, many people would would consider um, a little wild. Let's just put it that way, and, and that's all I'll go with that. But there's love that's needed to be able to cultivate an atmosphere of change. Period. Where love is is invited, where Jesus is invited, an atmosphere of change can be cultivated. Okay. Whew, it's a lot. I know. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get through this because it's just. It's a lot here. Um, how do we achieve unity? Obviously, we just talked about that. Be eager to keep the bond of peace. Okay, Ephesians four three. Be eager. Contend for it. You're going to have to contend for peace sometimes. Okay, uh, peace is peace is present where war has where war has happened most likely, whether in the spirit or in the physical. Um, realizing that God loves unity amongst diversity. Okay, and, and that, that's what I want to talk about. Unity dwells well where you uh, un- unity dwells where diversity is celebrated and how do i know that well not just my own experience from hearing from the lord and doing dishes one day and um i was just doing dishes it was after service one day i started thinking about the church service the word the pastor spoke and and i just began to pray and the lord revealed to me i heard this i heard this in my spirit he said he said that unity Unity is, um, oh my goodness, I have it written down right here. Hang on. Unity is, where is it? Unity dwells where you, you, excuse me, Lord help me. Unity dwells where diversity is celebrated. I just, it was a thought that just went through my head. I thought, was that you, Lord? You know, and I, I count it to be in the Lord. Yeah, I chalk it up to him being his voice. And is he, I, I said, what did, what did you say? He said, unity dwells where diversity is celebrated. Ephesians 4.11, okay? What does Ephesians 4.11 say? Some of you can probably quote this, and you should, because this is where I believe the church needs to be. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some shepherds or pastors, and some teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Boom. Power. That's a powder keg. And he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be some to be teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Okay? So, to full-grown man, to understanding that God is, 
He's using apostles. He's using the prophets. He's working through evangelists. He's working through pastors. He's working through teachers to be able to unify the body of Christ, to be able to stand them up in an hour where they are much needed right now, where the world is literally going to hell in a handbasket. You don't have to turn on the TV too long to figure that out. This is where the church is unified, and this is where the gates of hell won't prevail. Now, when you think about that, when you think about those five, the five-fold ministry, you have to think of it like your, your hand, okay? You've got, you got apostles, you got apostles, you got prophets, you got, you got apostles, you got prophets, you got evangelists, you got pastors, and you got teachers. All, you know, a thumb and a four fingers, but all are on the same hand. They're all working for the same cause, and that is to grip the world by the blood of Jesus so that she may be changed, so that, so that, so that the doctrination of Christ Jesus can be preached and proclaimed to everyone so that people can get saved and we can overcrowd heaven. That's what, that's what our goal is. We want to make heaven crowded, right? And, and, and plunder hell for, for the gospel of Jesus. And, and to understand this, you, I, I think it ties so clearly with the verse where it says the gates of hell won't prevail, because I believe when these five are functioning in full reality, the gates of hell don't stand a chance. And the gates of hell, they're set up to protect. Gates are set up to protect, right? So hell has gates. We are taking our five-fold ministry in the church, whether you're in the same body, same room, different churches, different states, whatever, and we are plundering the gates of hell. We're knocking them down and we're stealing souls. Woo, come on, somebody. We're taking what the enemy has tried to take. So, so we're, we're moving forward with the faith that the people that are still alive that will hear the gospel that are, that are literally have one foot in hell, we're taking them. We're taking them back for the kingdom of heaven, and it's for the building up of the body of Christ. And, and you have to build this body by pressure, by, by, by trial, trial by fire, and going to places where others aren't willing to go, and going to talk to people that others aren't willing to talk to. And the power of the Holy Spirit will allow you and guard you to do all these things. And, and, and that's how we, we want to function in this hour. I'm telling you, it's not just about Sundays, church. It's not just about meeting on Sundays. Those five roles don't just function for an hour and a half on a Sunday after or a Sunday morning or a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday night. If they do, your church is powerless. If that's the only time that you're evangelizing or preaching or prophesying or building as apostles do or teaching, then your church is not powerful. I'm just going to say it. If you're, if you're only doing those things on Sunday, then you've missed the point and you probably need to step back and analyze why you're doing it in the first place. Ooh. Yeah. Sorry. Not sorry. Uh, God loves unity church. He loves, loves, loves unity. Um, and God will finish with unity. I think I want to end with, with this, the church who remains steadfast in unity will be the church that remains. I'm going to say that again. This is another word that the Lord gave me. The church who remains steadfast in unity will be the church that remains Galatians six, nine, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. If we do not give up. Boom. That's it in a nutshell. And, and so that's where the church, I believe, needs to be right now. We need to be a place in such unification that they can't tell who the pastor is a lot of times. Like, was well, it him? Is it him? Is it him? Is it her? I mean, is she the one speaking? Today? It doesn't matter. Like, I think when we are functioning in the full reality of, of the kingdom of heaven, guys, that there's such a place where we can reside with the Lord, where, where Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and we're seated in heavenly places as well. I believe that unification brings that seat. I believe that that seed is only stewarded to those who are willing to, to fight and breathe and die for unity. We have to be, be able to come to a place where you may not think just like I think, but I know just like you know. And I know that Jesus is the cornerstone of this conversation. Let's build on that. Amen.
Okay. I wanted to keep that a little bit short today so you guys could kind of have time with your family if you're catching this on Christmas or something like that. But Merry Christmas, guys. Find a reason to celebrate. Find a reason to contend for unity within your family. Find a reason to contend for your kids. Pray, prophesy, preach to them. Read the word of God over them. Pray over them. Pray over your wives. You know, I was sitting here the other day and I was getting ready to go to work and I was getting ready and I was putting my clothes on. I was doing all the things and my wife woke up not feeling well. And you know, the, the original, original, the original, the first, the first thought I had, I guess, the original thought I had was, yeah, maybe I should just tell her to go take some medicine or whatever. And I heard, the, I, I felt the spirit of the Lord rise up in me. Go lay hands on your wife and pray for her. Just go pray over your wife. It's, got, it's been a minute since you prayed over your wife. Go do it. And so I did it. And then guess what? That built from there. I started praying for four or five other people. And in and, and, and the spirit of God it was, was stewarded in the room through the bond of peace. And we were in unity with that. And, and since that day of prayer, we've seen multiple of the people that we just that we that we preached or that we prayed about that day. The, the healing of God's touch was has been upon them since that day. And it's a beautiful thing, guys, to see what unity can bring within your life. And maybe you're in a place right now where you're feeling secluded and you're feeling by yourself and you tried the church thing and it's not for you and it doesn't work and blah, 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 blah. blah and I'm by myself on Christmas and. And listen, if it's because of loss, I'm sincerely sorry. And I, my prayers, my thoughts are with you. But I want you to know that you're not alone. One person plus Holy Spirit is always the majority. Write that down. One person plus Holy Spirit is always the majority. And maybe you're listening because you, you, you'd feel like you don't have a tribe. You don't have a people that you run with. You don't have anybody that you can be in unity with. And you need the Spirit of God to help you navigate that and, and navigate life circumstances and I can tell you right now that if you're listening to this podcast and you do not have a tribe or a people that you can run with in unity, you've come to the right place. You can call me. You can text me. You can reach out to me. I'll pray with you. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to get you to understand that you have value. You are needed in this world and that Christ loves you and he died for you. and He gave up everything to have a relationship with you. And, and maybe Jesus has just been misrepresented to you. And you've been church hurt. So you'll never, in your mind, you'll never go back to that flawed building again because those people are a bunch of hypocrites. Well, so are the people in the clubs that you hang out with on Saturday night. So are the people that you meet in the liquor stores and the taverns and the bars and the casinos every night. Those people are all hypocrites too. And nobody's perfect. But I do believe that most people that are attending church on a Sunday morning are seeking. They're seeking something. Maybe they're seeking a place to belong. Maybe they're seeking a home. Maybe they're seeking relationship, but they're seeking. And where we seek our relationships tells a lot about where our soul is. Our soul is our mind, emotions, and our will. And if we can have unity in all three of those, then we can have unity elsewhere in the church, in the body of Christ, and in a community of believers that are going forth in the kingdom of heaven and aren't looking back. Hey, I love y'all. I love y'all today. I love y'all tomorrow. I pray that your, that your Christmas and your new year is so blessed that you're with people, that you're surrounded by people that you can lean on, that you can hug on, that you can pray with, that you can prophesy with. Guys, you know, I had, I had a, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I had, uh, but just it's personal to me and I don't feel like I'm ready to release this testimony yet, but I had something happen to me recently uh, that I've been thinking about and praying about for years. You know, that my spirit would just, it would rise up in my spirit every now and again. And, and I would almost get somber about it. And, 
And the Lord would just keep lovingly reminding me, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And it happened to me. It happened to me two weeks ago. Um, and I didn't get a, I didn't get a billion dollars on my bank account. I didn't get, you know, a new job or a new car or a bonus or nothing like that. It was something so super simple to me, yet so profound to the Lord. And so profound to me, yet so super simple to the Lord, if that makes sense. And it happened. And I'm so, I'm so thankful that I didn't give up hope for that. That I didn't give up hope, give up hope for that, that, that uh, prayer that God answered. And maybe I'll share it with you someday, but today I just want you to, I want you to find one thing to be thankful for and build off of that because God is with you. This is the season to celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, who would come to the earth in an immaculate birth through a virgin, lead a sinless life, go before the cross, be slaughtered like a lamb before his shears, be completely killed, slaughtered, beat, beat up, tormented, mocked, spit on, slapped, crown of thorns placed on his head, stripped naked at the end of his life, pierced his size. And for those piercings and for those transgressions that we hold, we no longer have to because Jesus Christ has went to the Father and by his wounds, we can be healed. We are healed. By those wounds, we are healed. I prophesy that over you today. Sickness got to go. Depression got to leave. Anxiety has to go. Sadness, depression, you have to go. I want you to take these words with you. I want you, to, I want you to really meditate on the word of God today. I want you to get in the word of God, and I want you to meditate on it yourself. Pray. Prophesy into your own life. Begin to believe the things that are actually in that book and on that page, that God loves you. That what happened, that we can celebrate the birth of our Savior right now. Is this the day that he was born? No. We'll do, a, we'll do a podcast on that someday, maybe, but I don't want to create division or discord, okay? I want you to celebrate time with your family. I want you to be blessed, and I want you to remember that Christ Jesus gave everything to have you. Amen. I love you guys. God bless you. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. <laughs>